everyone, I'm Patrick. And I'm Emma. Welcome to another episode of We Liked You First. The podcast where we put the spotlight on talented, emerging writers and actors. This week's episode is a scene from the horror comedy, All of Us in Horror Land by Tyler Davis. Featuring main cast members, Austin Jordan as Reggie, McKenna Randall as Brie, Logan Lindholm as Monster, and Tanner Ralph as Ralph the Serial Killer. And we want to thank our guest stars, Tyler Davis as Cameron, and Connor Wood as Tony and the narrator. And be sure you stick around to the end of the performance for a special interview with the writer, Tyler Davis. After the traumatic events of the previous evening, Cameron and Reggie, roommates and best friends, walk through the park on the way home from a day of classes. Seriously, man, think about it. We were at our apartment that same night that Spider-Man 5 came out, and we, like the losers we are, sat at home on our butts. We did not sit at home on our butts. One, I was on a date with a great girl who loves me but just doesn't know it yet. And two, a serial killer pops out of nowhere and scares the crap out of us. Three, I take Skye back to her apartment and console her for two hours because she's so traumatized. Four, the police don't seem to believe us and are told to watch our backs instead of hunting this son of a bitch down. So no, Reggie, I humbly disagree with your comment. Our butts were far from sitting. Touche. But I really would like to see Spider-Man. Right? Look, I know Sky's all shook up about this, but you got a girl to hold tight, man. That's more than a lot of guys can say. We are not dating for the last time. We've been best friends for over a year now, but she's not interested. And don't ask me why. Why? You know why. Because she doesn't think I can be a successful writer. She wants a guy to be the breadwinner. She wants a husband who works behind a boring old desk and types on a computer. I don't want to be that guy. Don't writers type on a computer? Oh, okay, I get it. Not the same. You want to focus on books, not numbers. I feel you. Writing is cool. Lots of things need to be written. Books, music, journals. You don't believe in me either. I can't believe it. This whole time you are just lying to make me feel better. Dude, of course I believe in you. The alien spaceships, the galactic adventures, it's all fun stuff. It's not an alien spaceship. It's an American spaceship from the future, and they use alien resources to reinforce. Forget it. I, I appreciate your support, Reggie, but Sky is right. I'm not a writer. I should just grow up. Don't say that. It's true. Have you, have you thought about trying your hand at the, the dating game again? Maybe. I don't know. I'm afraid. Fear happens, man. It doesn't usually go away, but you just get used to it. My sister and I have learned to rely on each other. Growing up, I only saw my father once a year. My mom was hardly home. Ellie and I made our own childhood. We would escape the house and find things to do around town. We got really good at climbing those trees there. I don't think you've ever told me about your childhood, Reggie. That's because I had my walls too, bro. I don't know what it is, but I feel like my walls have been gone since we've been roommates. It's like we've always been buddies. A rodent scurries past them on the sidewalk ahead of them. Suddenly, a beefy arm with sharp claws reaches out of a bush and snatches the rodent. The hell? Reggie draws closer and closer to get a better look at the bush. Cameron watches nervously as he approaches. He parts the bushes to look inside. Nothing. Reggie begins to walk back when the carcass of the devoured rodent is flung to the ground behind him. 
Reggie quickly looks back to behold the rodent. Its flesh has been consumed, leaving nothing behind but its bones and blood. A large, hairy, werewolf-like creature emerges from the bushes one heavy step at a time. It snarls. Its hungry eyes glow yellow. Reggie trembles at the sight of the beast. He tries to run, but the monster grabs him with one of his clawed hands and yanks him violently. Cameron races to Reggie and pulls him loose. Go! Cameron, go! Here! Cameron and Reggie sprint away from the monster in terror. Reggie impulsively grabs a stick from the side of the pavement and tosses it behind him without looking. Cameron watches as the monster gallops viciously towards the two, with rodent blood dripping from its teeth. The stick hits the pavement, and instantly, the monster's ears perk up, and he fetches the stick. Reggie, it worked! It's, it's like a dog! It's chasing the stick! The monster drops the stick and resumes chasing them. Cameron and Reggie run faster. As they escape the park, they come into a housing complex. They barge into an unsuspecting townhouse nearby for safety. Oh, God. Oh, God. Can I help you? Uh, hi, miss. Uh, sorry to barge in like this, but we're being chased right now. This is Reggie. I'm Cameron, and we're just trying to get away. Miss? Come on. We're like the same age. You're being chased? By who? Well, you see, uh, well, it's kind of hard to explain. Um, it's well, when uh, you, pretty crazy. You it, it's like... Don't think I'll believe you. Try me. Bree. Reggie. Cameron. That's my boyfriend, Tony. He's got a stump hand now. Sup? If anything, you won't believe who chased me and my boyfriend. We were just hanging out in his car until all of a sudden I see this creepy-ass man standing on the other side of the cul-de-sac. He was wearing a skull mask and holding a bloody machete. Took my fingers clean off. Just added to his trophy collection of severed body parts, I guess. Yeah, we saw him too. What? Yeah, he attacked us at our apartment while my buddy here was with his date, I, and a friend. And he kept disappearing. Exactly. He attacked me, but once I looked up, he was gone. And then this hairy monster ate this rodent alive. Then he almost got Reggie. Then it chased us. And then... I, I just... You mean that monster? Mm. Yes. No. Do you know what this means? No. Monsters aren't real. People don't just start attacking without a reason, or, or vanish for that matter, and what are the chances we both saw the same thing? I've seen too many of these to not know when I see it. <laughs> Haven't you guessed, little bros? The serial killer, the monster, the chasing, even the music. Listen closely. Ominous tones, staccato notes, good use of violin, you're right. I guess I just kind of tuned that out. It can only mean something bad is about to happen. We're in a new dimension, little bros and girl of mine. It happened on Friday the 13th, Halloween, Scream, Sinister, Insidious, Carrie, The Conjuring, the... Tony! Babe, what the hell are you talking about? Breenie, babe, we are in a horror movie. No, seriously, think about it. Look, I'll prove it in every horror movie. The car doesn't start when you're trying to drive away, right? 
Tony runs out into the driveway and hops into his awesome yellow convertible. Nice wheels, bro. He has generous parents. Hey, someone chased me! What are you talking about? Chase me! Like an axe murderer or, or something! I need someone to chase me while I start the ignition. Uh, um, okay. Ah! Bang, bang! Oh, look, it's an axe! It's really scary, run! Uh, I'm gonna kill you! You see? Oh, I see something, all right. Oh, shut up. The engine didn't turn over because no victim can escape. A ch chase by car? It's impossible. Have you also wondered about the surprising lack of help the police have been? I bet they didn't help you either when you called in a serial killer. Why? Because we are the victims! To make a good horror flick, we have to be tortured or, or killed. And how many horror films are the police actually any use at all, huh? Not many. Oh my god, he's right. Oh, okay, okay then. So what if we're the victims of a horror movie? What do we do? How do we escape? Well, it's all about the ratings. If we can make the movie horrible, then whoever is making this movie might give up on writing it. I like where your head's at, Squirt. Squirt? How do we make the movie horrible? What if we make it a, a different genre? Like, <laughs> how about romance? <laughs> Bree knows exactly what Tony means. She seductively looks at Tony, who is standing in front of Cameron. Cameron's face flushes pink. He thinks she's looking at him. Tony nods his head in approval, thinking he's about to get laid. Bree steps nearer, motioning with her finger for him to come close. I can't. I have chapped lips. No, not you. I was talking to my boyfriend. Let's go, babe. Do you honestly think that sleeping together is going to change our lives? Uh, don't worry, it'll be a quickie. Ew. Ew. Not if you say it like that. Ugh. Listen, we can make the movie horrible by making the deaths seem fake. If the effects and acting are bad enough, we may win our ticket out. Uh, hurry, follow me, we have a dramatic death scene to wing. The group of them returns to the kitchen. Cameron produces a bottle of ketchup from the refrigerator. Who wants to go first? Reggie reluctantly steps forward. Cameron douses Reggie's neck with ketchup. Uh, Reggie grimaces and stands awkwardly stiff, annoyed at having a kitchen condiment on his body. Cameron encourages him to act out a dramatic death scene. Oh god, here we go. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm going down. I see the light. Oh, okay, look, I really don't think this is working. Just keep going. Persistence is key, little bro. Don't call me little. Here, give me the ketchup. I'll do it. Okay. <clears throat> if thou wilt take my life, so be it. But I shall not give up the ghost without mine honor. If the earth and the seas do take my soul to the judgment bar, I ask you if your soul is worthy enough to meet your maker. I go willingly. Prepared for the reaper. You may take my life, but you will never take my freedom. Ugh. Wow, Cameron, that was impressive. Amazing, bro. Amazing. Wasn't that last part from Braveheart, though? Shut up. I don't. 
I don't think a fake death is what we need right now, guys. The group follows Bree's gaze, and they see the serial killer and the monster standing paired together at the end of the room. The two of them stand stiff and motionless. The monster is much fatter than they imagined. A big gut droops out over his legs, a lot like a beer belly. The monster steps forwards toward the group. They cower, terrified, to the floor. The monster grabs Tony with both arms and gives him a great, big hug. You, my friends. I can bench twice my weight, you slimy hairball. I will mess you up. With biceps the size of my head, I was betting on maybe triple, but I guess we can't win them all. What? No, I will not. These are good, innocent people. You want to kill them? You do it. Who are you talking to? Oh, that was the boss lady. She's basically the spawn of Satan. Wow, it gets hot in here. Have you ever worn a rubber mask for several days straight? Not fun. Monster here, on the other hand, doesn't have to wear a mask because apparently he's scary enough. So not fair. He may look scary, but despite his frightful appearance, he's actually quite the teddy bear. A heart of gold this one's got. Heart of gold. Nah, he doesn't say much. Oh, I get it. You thought that because we were written to kill you that we are these nasty, horrible people. I mean, nobody's perfect, but come on, give a guy a break. But you... You chop my fingers off. I am so, so very sorry about that. She wrote that in, and I was subject to her will. Monster and I have broken free, and she can't control us anymore. And man, does that feel good. She? Who is she? The boss lady. The writer. And what is it with everyone calling me a serial killer? Have you even seen me kill a pattern of people, let alone one person? I never kill. I was written to scare you guys. And chopping off your sausage fingers was not in the contract. I never wanted to hurt you. She just wanted a bad guy to build suspense and whatnot. I would never. Hold up. This writer, the boss lady, she controls our story? She used to control you? Yeah. What if behind that friendly face you actually are a killer? Because... I realized she was telling me to do these horrible things, and I didn't want to. I don't have to adhere to her anymore because I'm an adult, and I make my own decisions now. Monster and I had a chat and decided we want to live our own life. Give us the machete, and then we'll talk. Sure, absolutely. Take it. I don't want it. So, how do we get out of this mess, serial killer? Okay, come on. Can we give me a different name, please? I know I was written, a.k.a. spawned, into existence and never given a name, but seriously, can I have a real name? Uh, sure, why not? How about Ralph? Yes! I love it! Thus it was the 20th of October, and out of the cold, crisp air came an unseemly man, dawned upon his soul a new name, Ralph! As a swirl of satisfaction encapsulate his heart, he... Uh, Ralph, listen. If we are going to survive and get out of this story, I need you to tell us how to stop the boss lady, or I will crush your fragile little football head, okay? Hey, Arnold? I don't know who Arnold is. I just know she was telling me to kill you guys. Will you? No, of course not. Ralph, down. Fine. 
And you seriously never watched Hey Arnold as a kid? I've been in existence for only a couple of days, man. Okay, what brought you here if you didn't come to hurt us? We came to help you. How? I don't know, Talking Dumbbell. Just because I was written by her doesn't mean I know how our story works. Coming back to you guys to help is the least I can do after the whole chopping your fingers off thing. I don't know, man. That really hurt. Just let me help. Fine. But we're watching you. Mm -hmm. So if no one is going to die today, then what happens? Uh, nothing? Nothing. Wait a second. That's it. A serial killer and a monster are supposed to kill us to progress the plot of the story. However, if nobody dies or nothing exciting happens for long enough, maybe she will give up on the movie and we'll be free. And I could live a life of my own! Ralph is lost in a daydream of his ideal life. He skips happily through a field of flowers. He buys frozen yogurt with an unhealthy amount of cookie dough on top. He is hanging out with his new friends, Bree, Tony, Cameron, and Reggie, playing beach volleyball. Focus! What do we do now? Do you have any board games? Uh, I've got Monopoly. Monopoly! The group begins to Monopoly for hours at the coffee table of the living room. After several hours of monotonously playing the famous Milton Bradley game that destroys friendships and tears families apart, Bree, Tony, Cameron, Reggie, and Ralph reluctantly continue playing. Monster, having given up several hours ago, chews on game pieces in the corner. <laughs> you landed on my hotel, pay up. Ugh, I can't take this anymore. This is super lame. Well, maybe we can just... Shit. <clears throat> I was hoping it didn't have to come to this. I understand you have made some discoveries recently that led you to believe that you have been written into a story. I am here to explain why you have been experiencing such strange phenomena. Who are you? I know who you are. Tony Ashford, 26 and a gym rat. A strong leader, fearless, but as dumb as rocks. I know you all actually. Bree Hillard, a smart young lady but addicted to her phone. Reggie Finkel, hard shell but soft interior. Cameron Daly. You have lots of potential, honey. But if only you would step up to the plate. Be strong. Be somebody already. It's her! It's her! And you. I am very disappointed. My serial killer, Ralph, you have a name now and a speaking role. Do you really think this movie has the budget for that? No. I sent you on a mission to create some art and you refused. Now you're helping them, deliberately doing the opposite of what you were written to do. Helping, helping who? The people. Literally right in front of you. The people you were supposed to kill. Oh. I had it so brilliantly planned. After being hunted by my monster, my serial killer would take you each out one by one as the night grew darker until the pathetic little one was left. A terrified little mouse. 
She's talking about me, isn't she? But then I had to witness my precious pawns playing board games with my victims. This is horrendous. I will not stand for this. So it's true. We have been written into a story? A horror movie? Doesn't matter. All you need to know is I'm short on time and someone needs to die. Since you've been delaying the inevitable, I will have to speed up the process. So what? You're, you're going to, like, kill us? <laughs> no, 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 of course not. Sweetie, I won't do the killing. You came and ruined my work, so you get the honors of playing murderer in my movie. It, ah, it is true! You want us to, to kill e each other? Now he gets it. What? No, that's ridiculous. None of us are murderers. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> yeah in, in fact, the two murderers you did send us can't kill us after all. Yeah, won't. Broke free. Right, they broke free. And my monster, another speaking role. I swear, the next time I write a horror movie, I'm going to... Did that really just happen? Is someone really gonna die? They're suddenly surrounded by men and women in black suits. They stand expressionless, holding a variety of blunt weapons. Before any of them can react, they surround Tony and start beating him with great force. Yo, Tony! Tony! Oh, is this entertaining to you? <sighs> as mysteriously as they arrived, the men and women in suits are gone. Tony's lifeless body lays on the ground with an impacted skull and broken limbs. Everyone has a little bit of Tony's blood on them. Hey everybody, um, thanks for listening to um, All of Us in Horror Land by Tyler. Um, I'm joined by my co-host, Emma McKay. I am here. Thanks, Hi, Patrick. Um, we're really excited. We have Tyler Davis here with us, the, the screenwriter of All of Us in Horrorland. Hey, Tyler, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Awesome. Oh, doing pretty good. We're really excited to have you. We, um, I loved, we loved your screenplay. That was super fun to work on. Thank you. It was a, it was a pleasure to work with you guys with it. I had a blast. Oh, I, I really hope everyone listening um, knows how much we loved it, and we hope that they love it as much as we did, because it was just such a, it really was a blast to work on. Um, it was really fun. Um, one of the questions I had for you, Tyler, just about the screenplay, um, was, is that it, it, at its heart, it's definitely a, a horror film, right? Mm -hmm. um, how, how, would you describe yourself as a, as a big fan of the horror genre? I would, yeah. I'd say probably the majority of the film or TV medium I listen and watch is probably horror-related. Very cool. Um, do you have like any like specific like horror influences, like anything that's out there, um, you know, from the horror yeah. genre that you really like that influenced the way you kind of wrote this screenplay? Yeah, if if you've ever seen Tucker and Dale versus Evil. <laughs> or, <laughs> or a little evil, both 
written and directed by the the same director, Eli Craig. They uh they definitely influenced my work. It, it's got that like the monster who is actually cute and cuddly or you know friendly and you, things are not always what they seem. That kind of writing definitely came from those films. It certainly influenced the way I write as well. So cool. I I definitely I have a confession here. I don't engage in much horror, mostly because I'm an absolute wimp. And <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I, I, I'm going to get on that bandwagon. I am a total wuss when it comes to horror. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> but I, right. I really enjoyed um, when I first read through your screenplay because I was impressed at how yeah, it had such a different take and how it was almost comedic. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when you went dark, you really went there. Like I'd go from yeah. laughing to horrified within seconds. Yeah. And it was quite the ride. Yeah, I, I wanted that contrast, you know, having the, the really light stuff and then the really heavy stuff. It makes both of them stick out pretty well. That was the goal. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, I, honestly, I oh, oh I, I was gonna say I loved it too. I loved how Emma, you said it's like almost, like almost comedic, because I, I honestly kind of feel like in a way the characters are just really being themselves and they're really just being honest, and they're kind of just living in the moment. And I think it's like everyday kind of humor. It's like the it's just kind of the humor you'd see like oh that's what oh that's funny like haha to them and and you know and we relate to it. I think that's why it's so funny. And then. You do kind of slap us in the face with actual horror, and I, I think that was such a cool balance. Um, like you said, the contrast there. I think that was something that was really cool that you accomplished in the script. Well, cool. Um, Thank you. And I thought that was a, a cool way of approaching it. Now, Tyler, I'm really interested in your background. Um, yeah. You and Patrick know each other previously. Um, however, you and I have just met, and Patrick was telling me that you actually have a background in acting. I do. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I started acting in middle school-ish, like kind of eighth grade. It's my first play. And ever since then, I just found a lot of joy from doing things like musical theater and straight plays and, you know, little thing, little projects here and there. And uh, yeah, I just found this way of expressing myself that I couldn't really do as myself. Yeah. Like having having to play different characters on stage or on camera was kind of a way for me to explore different personalities and express different parts of my own personality, which was a way of helping me find myself. And so that was kind of a gateway. I I have a question just going along that. Um, Yeah. Have you ever done a role that you particularly connected to? you know, like what was what was your favorite role that you've ever done um, that really helped you, you know, kind of connect with yourself and that you felt really helped you express yourself? Yeah, I'd say probably Prince Florizel from The Winter's Tale, oh, the, cool. the Shakespeare play, because um, he he was he's a pretty humble person. I'd say he doesn't really want to be in the spotlight, but he'll take the spotlight if it's given to him. You know, so I feel like. In my, with my personality, I don't really seek attention. I just want to share the art 
of acting and writing. And oh. so I feel like Prince Florizel and I kind of have that in common. We just want to, we just want to do what we love, you know, and be with <laughs> the people we love. And look at us just throwing spotlight at you. <laughs> look at me with the spotlight right now. Yeah. <laughs> look how you well you do. Beautifully. <laughs> You're such a beautiful spotlight person, Tyler. Thank you. Thank you. So um, when did you start writing? I actually started writing before I started acting. It was oh, uh, right. kind of like, yeah, it was kind of like age 11 was when I started actually writing stuff, putting pen to paper. I would write like little sci-fi stories and like just little ideas that I had here and there. And that's what I would do instead of going out with friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just be you at made... home in my room typing on my computer. <laughs> you made what? your own friends. Not enough. I made my own friends. Yeah, my imaginary <laughs> friends. Wrote the characters in the story. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really so cool. when were you writing short films and screenplays at that time? Yeah. Yeah, I wrote uh, a sci-fi film called Platinum. Very cool. And uh, I mean, I was like 13, 14, so like it wasn't really a screenplay, but it was more of like more like a short story written for visual, like sure. visual type medium. So yeah, sure, that was your intent. And that's, that's my intent. That's really cool. So, which what fed the other? Was did writing feed into acting or vice versa? I think writing fed into acting. Okay. For me, yeah. Because when I was writing, I kind of wanted to be more a part of the story. I wanted to contribute more to the story that I wrote. And so okay. once once I started taking an acting class, then that fulfilled that part of my ex need to express as being able to be in the story. Wow, that's really cool. Um yeah. I was just just to kind of go off of that. Um, now that you kind of know that you now that you're quite accomplished at both, how would you say your experience as an actor influences the way you write now? Good question. Um, I'd say as an actor, I've I've learned and been learning to see their perspectives, their own personal perspectives, and that's led into my writing, seeing multiple perspectives for mm -hmm. one, one problem and one conflict and how that can make the conflict more interesting or more tense, if that makes sense. Yeah. So when you say they, um, are you, do you mean like the character that you're the, like, that you're. Yeah. Yeah. The, the characters. Okay. That's really cool. So like you, as an actor, you've kind of learned how to see like one, maybe one specific point of view, but as, um, as a writer, you're able to kind of explore several different viewpoints at once. Mm -hmm. I That's noticed cool. that in your writing, um, how you had these different characters all in the same situation, but handling it so differently. Um, how you have, um, goodness. I'm trying to find the exact quote, but but you have some characters who are kind of in denial while there's Tony who's like, no, guys, this is what's happening to us and I'm going to prove it to you. And uh, other characters are like, well, no, like, what are you, are you kind of crazy? Or, you know, like, um, 
I felt like you you did you showed that really well just people kind of experiencing experiencing the same situation totally differently yeah yeah and that was uh that was kind of a challenge for me because with my acting experience I really wanted to just look at it from Cameron's point of view my protagonist and I had to force myself to think well you know Tony's this big jock how would he react you know he'd probably want to be the leader because right. he likes attention. Head he on. Likes, yeah, he likes to fight the conflict head on. So yeah, I kind of had to take a step back and think about how all these very different people would react and how that could be funny and how that could progress the plot too. Yeah, absolutely. So if I can ask, where did you pull out this idea? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good question. So some of my friends in college, we would watch a lot of horror films. That's kind of like what caught, got me caught onto the horror genre. Because okay. before that, I was, I was kind of a lot like you guys. I, was, I didn't want to go anywhere near horror movies at all. <laughs> like, they just they scared me. But um, my friends got me hooked on it. And then I don't know if I got desensitized from the horror elements or what. <laughs> but I just got addicted to it and just loved the, the rush. And sure. we, would, we would see all of the like dumb cliches in horror movies. Like when they'd go into the closet, even though we knew there was a monster in the closet, right? And so I thought, well, what if there was a story where they realized they were doing something really dumb? And right. that, that's what led me to, to start the whole self-aware we're trapped in a horror movie kind of idea. Yeah. Like, what if we're doing this dumb thing because we were written to do that in a scary movie? It's such a unique way to break the fourth wall. Yeah, yeah, I, for sure. I, I had a lot of fun diving into that, like, in your, in your writing. Um, I was going to say that was something that actually that I loved the most. Because again, like I said, I'm not a crazy horror fan. Um, and, and, and you're right, for the most part, the most I can handle is like maybe The Walking Dead. Mm. <laughs> and that's not even really a horror. <laughs> but um, what I did yeah. love was this unconventional way of telling a horror story. Um, and what, and I, I loved the, in, in the little ways you explore what is the actual monster in the story and where is the actual evil coming from and what is the thing they're actually combating it. And it became intriguing to me and I actually did get caught a lot up in the suspense of what's going on throughout the story. And um, this is something that I would one day love to see on the big screen and I would love to break my no-see horror films rule <laughs> to, go see the, to go see this yeah. movie on the big screen. <laughs> I yeah, do feel like oh go ahead I was just saying one day it'll happen one day yeah, we're gonna get that out on the silver screen I do have to redeem myself a little bit I used to really be into horror films I had the opposite journey of you where I um I stopped watching or I, I became more sensitive to it or something the last like true horror film that I've seen um, was haunting in Connecticut. So okay. what was that like? It's been like 10, 11 years since <laughs> that one. 
Um, but I, and I think part of it is that in a horror film, it's like all the rules go out the window. You know, all of a sudden, like the, the traditional rules of, of filmmaking, it's like, they're all gone. Everything's on the table. Like, um, and so what you did here, making the characters self-aware and understanding like, oh, we are in this situation. I feel like that took it the, the next step further because I, okay, this is really going to show who are these characters if they know, hey, someone has to die, that is gonna happen. Do they suddenly turn on each other? Are they like, like what is gonna, like, everything yeah. is like about to hit the fan. Yeah, exactly. That almost scares me more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unpredictability of it. Um, just, just to comment on that too, um, I think you actually captured that really well. In, again, you captured it well again. And just to comment on what we just heard, um, and, there's that whole great scene where Danielle shows up and she tells everyone how frustrated she is that her plan's not working and that someone is going to die. And then she leaves and there's that great moment right after where Bree and Cameron both go, did that just happen? Mm-hmm. Is someone really going to die? And then Tony dies. Um, yeah. You're right. Like The knowledge that something is actually going to happen and there's nothing they can do to prevent it is scary. And I think, it, you're, Emma, you're right. I think it makes it scarier when you're completely aware that something terrible is going to happen. It's It's almost worse that you know that it's a movie, right? And that there's no way to leave. You can't just get in a car and drive like what they tried to do in in the movie. That there's really nowhere you can go and somebody's going to die. Yeah. Right. Um, Um, And you... I'm a little scared to get the answer to this question. <laughs> you don't just kill off Tony. You like, yeah. You kill off Tony. Yeah, he's like, he's dead, dead. He's done. He's done. So, <laughs> where, where, where's your head at in in writing this? <laughs> yeah. So. Before that, it's uh, you could argue that it's definitely just a comedy, right? At least, yeah. at least that's what I would say. Is before that, there's just a lot of jokes. I mean, there's a monster and a serial killer, but and Tony gets his fingers chopped off. But besides that, it's pretty right. funny. Um, at least I hope so. Well, and, and even in the way it's presented, like, well, yeah, I lost, I lost some fingers. Yeah, it's, right. It's almost <laughs> like, oh, okay, that's fine. We're fine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah, they take it lightly, but once uh, once Tony gets beat to death, I wanted the audience to really know that there are dire consequences yeah. to this movie, that right. they could die, not just die, but have a horrible death, and that this was serious, and that was my wow. way of, of raising the stakes. Well, g- props to you, because you, you did. <laughs> you raised the stakes. I wish I had a recording of myself just reading it through for the first time because I was oh, like, oh. "This took a turn," and I. That's how I, I felt. <laughs> I won't spoil it, but like I've read, I read the whole screenplay through, and there are some other deaths in the, in the screenplay where I'm like, "No, no, Tyler, why?" <laughs> so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you, you really did 
do a great job of of raising those stakes. Um, and I I really do commend you. You did a great job on the, on this screenplay. Um, I'm Thank really you. impressed. I um, but yeah, um, just just you know, real quick, you know, um, what's what's next for you um, in your life right now? Um, you're a, a great actor and you're a great screenwriter. Um, what do you plan on doing next? Well, for me right now, I'm about to move to England. Uh, okay, actually in, small thing. Yeah, going to uh, study acting at the East 15 Acting School in, in London. Very and cool. And so I'll be getting my master's degree there in acting. And after that, I hope to, besides getting professional acting gigs, I hope to be able to one day get some of my writing on on the silver screen. Hopefully all of us in horror land, we'll see. <laughs> but I, I want to be able to write and produce uh, my own work someday. That's the ultimate goal. Absolutely. Well, I look forward to seeing where you go and what you do. This is incredible. Um, yeah. And Tyler, I, I feel so privileged that I, I know you now <laughs> and I knew you before <laughs> this um, because I do predict that you're going to do some pretty awesome things. Um, oh, for our listeners, if they want to find you um, and like get to know you better, do you have anywhere they can look you up? Like, do you have a Facebook page or a YouTube channel, or do you have a website that they can look you up at, or Instagram, yeah. or what, what? Where would you tell people to look you up? Yeah, the first place you can go is probably my website. I have an actor's website. It's oh, cool. TylerJDavis.com, and so I have pictures and. So a bo short bio of my previous experience just to get you a little taste of what it's like to be me in my career <laughs> so far very cool but well, thank uh, you. And is there a is there an email on your website that if someone wants to reach out to you about your script yeah yeah you can email me at tjdseizetheday at gmail.com yeah there's also a little message box in there too Oh, cool. Oh, perfect. Yeah, awesome. makes it easy. Very cool. Um, uh, well, oh, do you have any other places we can find you or anywhere you want people to look you up? The, those are really the main places. Okay. Um, I also have a Facebook page for my actor's website. It's tyler.davis.actor. Oh, cool. So, yeah. tyler.davis.actor. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Well, I'm learning these things, too, and I'm going to go look you up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I just, I want to thank you guys for doing this and getting uh, new writers and new actors out there in the world. That's oh, all. Shut up. <laughs> Absolutely. I think it's oh, awesome. We love you guys. Our hope is that when you are big and famous, you will remember that we liked you first. Boom. Absolutely. <laughs> when you accept your Oscar, you have to say, I have to thank. I have to thank. We liked you first. You first. For yep. liking me first. <laughs> yeah. um, Tyler, thank you for joining us. This has been yeah. so fun. Yeah, thanks for inviting uh, me. Absolutely, Tyler. We've loved uh, working with you and talking to you tonight. Um, and yeah, um, thank you so much for everything you do. And we wish you the best of luck uh, across the pond. Thank you. I appreciate it. No problem. 
This has been an interview with Tyler Davis, the writer of All of Us in Horrorland. Tune in in two weeks for our next episode. Uh, see you then, and remember, we liked you first. We liked you first.